Welcome back to the In God She Trust podcast. This is Tasha. And Mandy. And Kitri. And if you listened to us last week, we started this new, fun, anxiety-driven project. And Mandy's like, Kitri, how are you doing? I'm like, (laughs) 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 So what we're doing is that each week, one of us is going to come forth with a topic that the other two know nothing about, and then it's going to just open up for discussion. Um, and I um, drive these two nuts because I um, I literally had a whole other topic in mind until about an hour before we met. And <laughs> I was driving back into town, and I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. And This is so, totally Tasha. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. totally me. And so I... I'm going to so so what I what I wanted to discuss was a gal in the Bible that many of us have not heard about, and so it's just a couple of verses, so we can all get caught up on this. That's what we are discussing, yes. or that's what you were going no, to. No, this discuss. is what we're going to okay. because I I really have had this term bold, being bold for the Lord in Ooh. mind, and so I was like driving back, and I had my mentor t- tell me um, last week he was like. You will begin because I am kind of a meek like person, and I don't like but meek in all the right places. Thank you, um, <laughs> meek nice. not weak. That's nice. Um, but he said you will find your boldness in the Lord, and you will start boldly being able to ask for the Lord's blessings. And Ooh. so I was like, okay, but how? Who? How? Who is an example of that? You know? And I just like got to thinking about. Um, this gal who was one of my favorite in the Bible, um, Bible's daughter. I love Caleb um, from the Old Testament, but her name is Oxa. Have you guys ever heard of her? Oxa, Caleb's daughter. Will I still be a Christian if I say no? Nope. Okay. <laughs> you, 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 um, I can't see it, but my eyes got yeah, so no, big. I know, and I'm sitting right. here the whole time and like, I'm just like, like, who is it? Okay. Yeah, I'm no. pulling on my eyebrow. And this is what I wanted because because I um, I really needed to just what I want to do is I'm going to read and some scriptures from what what we're talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm and like sweating. <laughs> Kitri's sweating, all, and I'm terrified because I know I how much want. I didn't talk during no, Esther. All I want is personal opinions. Personal opinions. Okay, I agree. Personal opinions. We have that under on scripture. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so, but. In order for us to understand, I think, and get to the answers to the questions that I have about Oxa, we need to kind of come and listen to where she comes from. So cool. this is really important, I think, to me to, um, it's a great father-daughter relationship in the Bible, one that I don't think that we um, correlate so much with the Bibles, with the Bible, because the genealogy text we tend to skip over sometimes, you know, and so you may love a story about one person, but not realize that they're like the granddaughter of this person. Or mm-hmm. You so. probably were talking about me just then. No, I wasn't. Yeah, I was not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to take us into Numbers 13. So you guys remember when Moses was bringing everybody out of Egypt and they were trying to ultimately get to the land of Canaan. Right. Okay. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at Numbers 13, 26 to 31. Um, and this is where the Lord had Moses send 12 spies into Canaan and these were to represent the 12 tribes of um, Israel. Mm -hmm. And so he sends the 12 out there, 12 spies. And so it says in Numbers 13, 26 says, now they departed and he's talking about the spies and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, 
hey, we went to the land where you sent us, and it truly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and he said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. Like, you've got 12 leaders of the tribe of mm-hmm. Judah and they all come back and they're telling they're telling Moses this is don't impossible do don't do it these guys are stronger they're bigger they knew that there was the giants in the land all of that stuff and but yeah, you have Joshua and Caleb and they're like absolutely not you know we've got this so in your guys's opinions why do you think what Caleb responded that way well, it's interesting that this is the um, passage that you're, you know, that you're bringing up because I, I've been reading, you know, the Bible in order, mm-hmm. um, in chronological order, and so I, I just recently spent some time um, in this, and I remember reading this and just like shaking my head, um, and a lot of times I'm just like, dude, the Israelites were so stupid. <laughs> like I know that sounds horrible, but then I'm also like, but how would have I reacted? That's what I always As think. well, you know, and like, it's really interesting because every time I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so dumb. Like, couldn't you just like have faith and figure it out? But then like, God is so quick to remind me, like, how many times have you been like, really? Are you sure? Um, I don't think so. You know? And I'm like, yeah. So, I mean, I probably, I probably would have also been terrified as well but at the same time you know as I'm reading this I'm like okay God told Abraham this is the land that I am promising you you have the one God who has created everything and spoke everything into existence does not is not bound by by time or expectation and he he's forever been the same thing I'm like okay if you have the God of the universe telling you I'm going to give you this land especially because it seems like God was more tangible to me. He was more tangible back then. Not that he isn't today, you know, cause I still hear him speak to me, but I'm like, why wouldn't you just be like, okay, we're seeing these things, but if God said it, he's going to do it. Well, first of all, you have to allow him to speak to you. Absolutely. You have so to be he, open for that. In, I mean, in a lot of these, in this story, yep. he spoke to certain people and, He was probably speaking to everyone. I mean, he was dropping Mm -hmm. manna from heaven. He was doing all kinds of things for them, but they were still complaining and they were still, you know, not listening. And so Mm -hmm. my guess is that sometimes, how many times have you, I, I know personally, I have like prayed for something and asked God for wisdom, but don't necessarily always stop long enough to really hear the answer. Mm-hmm. And so, or you're expecting the answer you want and you're not right. opening to so hear the answer. So then later on answer. you're like, did I actually listen or do I go with the one I prayed because I was supposed to pray. And then I went with the one that felt right or was the easiest. Right. And I went with it because I had prayed, but did I really listen? Mm-hmm. And so I honestly think a lot of time that's what comes into play here. So potentially Caleb and Joshua. Joshua yeah. 
were the ones actually listening and the other people were like, uh, do you really want to go to Mao? Like these guys are huge. So right. if we go back and say that we know something you don't know and we, we prayed about it, we did what, but it just doesn't feel right. Like, are you actually listening or are you not? And I have absolutely no idea what their real thoughts were. Mm. Hopefully you have more insight on that. Tasha. And a lot of times, Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. A lot of times though, what God puts in front of us is big and it's bigger than us and it's scary. And, he, he's asking us to be obedient for things that we can't handle on our own because we have to be dependent upon a God who can handle everything. And it's like, the you know, he's they're literally looking at giants and these scary things, but it's like, okay, with God, God can take this. You know, people themselves without God would not probably be able to, but it just shows God's glory when it does happen. It just shows that we have the almighty on our side and no one else can do this because we have him on our side. But a lot of times what God puts in front of us is bigger than us and it's scarier than us, not to bring us glory, but ultimately to show who he is. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, the thing, and I think I initially had the same reaction as you, Katrina, is like, oh, these Israelites. I mean, and we tend to think that because we know, we know the rest, we of, the know the rest of the story mm-hmm. and we know where they've been, but these guys have already been through the parting of the Red Sea and they've been through all of these amazing miracles. <laughs> yes. Water coming from rocks. Exactly. Yeah. And yet <laughs> the earth opening up. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're still intimidated by a land of, you know, that's fortified and whatnot. But then we jump over to um, 14, six, and it says, but Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. So Mandy, tell me. They, tearing tearing their, clothes. their clothes is how you um, weep and grieve in Israel, which is um, something they physically do. And then when we talked about um, Jesus and Oh, we didn't talk about it. We talked maybe this is at home. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Esther and Mordecai. Yes, Mordecai ripped his clothes. He ripped his clothes, ripped his clothes, and then it was at church on Easter. Everyone, you know, that was last weekend or a couple weekends ago. Um, you know, the veil torn to the Holy of Holies, and that was the same stuff happening. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's presented his plea to the people at this point, Caleb has, and he's like, No, this land's good. So now he is just like completely just just defeated by these people because he's like, come on, guys. And so he, I know, and he tears his clothes and it says, and, and he spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel and he said, the land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us. Bingo. A land which flows with milk and honey. And he says, don't rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Yes, Okay, ma'am. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, literally shaking. I don't know, I don't know if I've shared this with you guys, but I'm still going to share it because I want everyone at home who's listening. Okay, so milk and honey is a, um, a really, really interesting thing. Like when you kind of like dig deep into like, wait, why is it milk and honey? Because you're like, anyone can get milk, anyone can get honey, yada, yada. But I came across something on Instagram, I think. Um, milk and honey were the t- 
two things that you did not have to kill something in order to get. Those are the two types of food that there was not a blood sacrifice needed in order to feed your body. The milk came from a cow. You did not have to kill that cow in order to get the milk. You could get honey out of bees, but you did not have to kill that bee in order to be fed. And so that is a huge significance of milk and honey is because those two things where it says the landing land is flowing with milk and honey for the promised land. It's because you did not have to sacrifice anything in order to be fed. Wow. No, I did not That's know that. That's why, I mean, you guys at home couldn't see, but I was just like raising my hand. I was like, I have something so cool to say. And I thought that was so significant is because God was trying to, to lead them into a land where you're going to be provided for and you're not going to have to make all of these sacrifices in order to get it. Like, I'm going to feed you. And I love that's what he says. It's like, the, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us to it. And obviously, like, those are God's chosen people. And he's like, if God is saying he's going to do it, if he delights in us, he's going to do it. He, he said the land is good. We see that the land is good. Why aren't you listening? And so he's kind of like bashing his head into a rock because he has faith. And that's exactly the that God can do it. Use. That's what yep. both of them did. They had faith. They were believing God. They're like, he obviously wants this for us. Why would he bring us here to have us be executed? We, they had the faith that God was looking for in hundreds of thousands of Israelites. And out of hundreds of thousands of Israelites, only two. And Moses himself doesn't even get to nope. go into the promised land. No, it is it only these so two. Sad. And it just goes to show, in my opinion, that just because you're, you're not a leader for God, if you're still not obedient, you're still going to get those consequences. And so Moses never got to see the promised land, but he was the one who God called to lead the people out of Egypt and lead them through the wilderness. But these were the only two men out of hundreds of thousands of Israelites that got to see the promised land. And it was because they had faith yep. and they were willing to be obedient yep. to it. And that's exactly what it is. I mean, Joshua comes on, the other one outside of Caleb, he comes on and he's the one that actually Moses grooms to take his place. Mm-hmm. And then we see in the scripture, and probably won't read it, but that, that the Lord says, because you had that, then everybody over the age of 20 does not get to go into mm-hmm. the promised land except for you and Joshua. And it was because of that faith. Mm-hmm. And so then we jump over to Joshua 14, 6 to 14. And it's interesting to note that because they did not go into even the, the whole set of Israelites even tried to stone Joshua and Caleb because they were thought that they were crazy and that mm-hmm. they were, um, you know, just trying to, you know, whatever. But we won't get into that. But so it caused them to wander for 40 more mm-hmm. years in the wilderness because of that decision to not go and conquer Canaan when the Lord had provided for them. Oh, and it, you know, to me, it just goes to show that they had quite the backbone because they were two out of how many to say no. When the entire crowd was going one way, they had the the guts to stand their ground and be like, nope, this is it. So, sorry. No, no, you're good. Uh, So we we jump up to Joshua, and this is after they actually get into the the land of Canaan, and it says that Caleb inherits Hebron. And it's kind of a long scripture, but I'll try to make it quick. But it just says, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kesanite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. So 
um, Caleb's talking to Joshua about this incident that we just discussed about Mm -hmm. years before. And he's like, you remember the word of the Lord? And it says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. So that's important, I think, because he felt like the Lord was telling him, you know, this is good, you know, be good. So he's saying it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren, the fellow Israelites who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord, my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord, my God. So this is an important scripture piece to Mm -hmm. know where it says in your children's forever, because we're going to get into his daughter here in a second. But it says, and now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And he said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. I know, right? I mean, it's like heart wrenching. I mean, I mean, what would you do if you had? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's bittersweet in a way, right? Right. Yeah, I think it would be totally bittersweet that you know he waited forty. I'm a dramatic person, so that's it. <laughs> but it does. I mean, it just like I read that, and I'm just like, oh, Josh or Caleb, you know. Um, but he says, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, and now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain on which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. And it may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him. So Moses is past now. So Joshua is the one who blessing him. And he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. And Hebron... Therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kezanite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. So I think that that whole thing is so important in when we get stuck on when will this happen for us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the patience, the constant belief. I don't think in these 45 years that he wandered, he ever sat there and was like... I'm never going to see it. Like, I I think he knew in his Mm -hmm. heart that it would be at some point. But man, to wait 45 years. Well, and then to wait 45 years and find out you were right. Yeah, I know. I know. How much like, like, booyah. I know. (laughs) How do you stay humble in that? I know. Like, that is the biggest I told you so moment (laughs) of all time. And then do you have to wander for 40 more years if you do say that? Yeah. Yep. I know. It's so <laughs> because I mean the people pleasing, not people pleasing, but the 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 man pleasing, the self pleasing part of you would absolutely want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right. Well, and it's a just, moment. God, it just goes to show that God fulfills His promises. It just might not be in our time frame, mm-hmm. which is funny that I'm the one saying this because I'm like, God, when is this going to happen? Or can well, like you know can can this happen now? Like I really don't, and because I, I don't like waiting, I like things now. She said the word patience, and I looked at you. Yeah, and we both had like the same like. Urgh. I know, like oh patience, but I, but it just like it's good for me to hear that because God will fulfill His promises no matter what. It might not be in the time frame mm-hmm. that I want, but it also, once again, God doesn't operate in our in our system of time. You know, the Bible says a day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. So, what, and that also just shows 
how powerful he is because he's like, yeah, soon, soon could mean tomorrow. Soon could also be in 45 years, but no matter what, he keeps his promises. Yep. Yep. And he's making us wait for a reason. And so that's the hard thing Mm -hmm. is learning in the waiting. Yep. So so we jump down to Joshua 14, um, I'm sorry, 15, 16 through 17. So he's been given this mountain, but there was actually some of the land still inhabited by the enemy. Mm -hmm. And so he says, um, what did I say? 16, 16, 17. So, and Caleb said, he who attacks Kiriasefer and takes it to him, I will give Aksa, my daughter, his wife. So Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave him Aksa, his daughter, his wife. So this is going to, this is kind of what I wanted to get into because I, I heard once somebody can call Aksa greedy because of the things that kind of followed here. But I think that, and the reason why I wanted to talk about Caleb and the type of person that he was is because I don't see what happens here in just a little bit as her being greedy, but that's personal opinion. So please be a hundred percent honest. You show that he is patient and he is kind. Right. And And so, and this is just a, a father who followed the Lord, who had immense faith in the Lord, who the Lord has blessed. Um, and you think how, how do you think his daughter would have been raised? Right. Type of thing. And he only had one daughter. He had, I think, two or three, two or three boys. And then, but he only had the scripture says okay. the one daughter. So, so she's special to him, you would imagine, mm-hmm. I would think. Um, so it says that he wants um, this Kiriasefer. This is the land that has um, the enemy in it. And so he's got his daughter, Aksa. And some people look at this um, initially and say, okay, um, he just offered his daughter up, great dad, you know, for marriage. Okay. So what are your guys' thoughts on, on this situation where he says, whoever takes this land, um, I'm going to give him my daughter as his wife. Well, it's making sure that his daughter's taken care of in the land that he waited 45 years for. Right. Well, and I, I mean, I, I, it's interesting that we talk about that now because, you know, of course, it'd be like, oh, my gosh, you can't just, like, give your daughter as, like, someone's, like, wife. That was it. That was, that was, that was how it was back then. And, I mean, you might not agree with it, but that's just how Jewish custom was. Arranged marriages were the thing. I mean, now we get to, you know, choose who we want to marry. But back then, arranged marriages were huge. And a lot of times, marriage was more of, like, a business deal right. than anything else. I mean, look at – we'll just, like, look at some of the empires that still live today, you know. England and France like if you look back in their their history a lot of times people married people in order to like oh well I might need you as an ally in war later here's my kid to have your kid marry so then if we ever get in contact like like we are allies it it was more of like a business and we keep land and we keep land exactly and people exactly and it was like a power thing i don't necessarily think that's what it was here but also it was also customary to make sure that if you gave your daughter up in marriage that she was going to be provided for and taken care it wasn't like oh yep here's my kid don't care what happens to her you know they you know a lot of times in history there have been like you know dowries or you know some form of thing but and and i think that was still I don't, I don't necessarily know if that was a thing in Jewish custom, but they made sure that they could be provided for and that that was like a, a solid, 
solid thing. I don't think it's just him being like, well, I just really want the land and here, here, here's my daughter so I can have the land. I don't think that he would just blindly give up his daughter to, to somebody just for, just for land. But I also think it's like, here is a way we can also have peace among us as well. So I thought, I thought I was thinking that, um, when I read this, his daughter is, of course, great value to him. He was chosen as one of the spies out of all the tribes. So you know that he's got to be, you know, experienced in the way of combat and things and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then he's also very brave in order to go into that. So to me, I kind of looked at this as potentially a way for him to weed out any... Um, lesser men, I guess, Mm. um, that he wanted the best and the bravest and the most skilled to protect his daughter potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I think that I I agree with both of you in the fact that, um, this was something that he was doing to honor his daughter as opposed to, um, just throwing her to the wolves that he wanted Mm -hmm. to know that whoever it was, was going to be worthy of her. And it just so happens that the person that went and conquered, this place was his little brother. Um, and so Othniel was, was Caleb's little brother. And so he went and just, and took the land. So that shows character. I mean, it wasn't uncommon for uncles to marry nieces and things like no. that back then. And right. so now, once again, yeah, yeah, now it's a little more, but, um, you have to was, understand the historical context yeah. in order for it to make sense. Yep. And so, um, so he went ahead and attacked, the, uh, attacked that place and, um, he just went, took it and it just says he took it. And I mean, that's faith too, because I think that you have Othniel going in and potentially being like, well, easy peasy. Of course I'm going to take this place because this is part of the land that the Lord said that we were going to get, you right. know? And so I think he had faith to go in there too. And it just says, and he just took it. And, um, and so he got, um, Oxa is his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were talking about dowry just a little bit ago, Kitri. Yeah. Um, and so we looked just a little further into that chapter. And there's a dowry. There is a dowry. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so it says, now it was so when she, Oxa, came to him, um, to him being Othniel, her new husband, mm-hmm. that she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. And so... Not only has she gotten this land mm-hmm. um, that's in the southern part of it, she now wants more. So this is where I'm saying I've heard people say that she was She's greedy. Okay. So I'm going to read this to you and just kind of see what you guys think about this. Um, so it says, she dismounted from her donkey and Caleb said to her, what do you wish? And she answered, give me a blessing since you have given me land in the south. Give me also springs of water. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. So there's a couple of things here. Caleb, this tells me a lot about like his character Mm -hmm. because his daughter comes to him. And the first thing that he says to her is, what do you wish? He didn't wait for her to ask. He was just like, hello, darling. You know, what can I do for Mm -hmm. you? Um, So I feel like they potentially had a very good relationship. Now, um, she says give me a blessing. So this is where there's that kind of controversy that she was greedy, that she didn't know her place, that she needed to be more submissive, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you guys think she had the audacity, if you want to use that word, to go before her dad? And even though she just got this whole land, 
and was given a husband that was a conqueror, um, would she ask for more? <laughs> or, I'm like pointing at Mandy to go, Mandy's pointing at me to go. Um, so, I, th- I, I think she's just being smart, to be completely honest. I don't think she's being greedy. Um, I think, you know, if she has land and there's no water, you can't grow crops, you can't have livestock, you can't, the, the land is kind of worthless if there's like, if you have all this water, but you have no land or whatever. I think she was just kind of being smart because she's, she's newly married. And sometimes, you know, you just need maybe something to kind of start that life with. Maybe I think she's just trying to be smart because obviously Caleb is smart. He raised his kids to, you know, be in the Lord and to have a good head on their shoulders. I don't think she was just like, well, I want more. I want more. I think she was just maybe thinking, logically it's good i mean they obviously have to irrigate yeah and if they're going to you know she is a good wife and the fact that she's thinking ahead to mm-hmm. the fact that if i can have a land by the river then our animals are taken care of our you know our we plants can grow will be, crops yep, all that stuff well in proverbs 31 talks about right. like what is a virtuous woman yep. and it talks about how she does market dealings mm-hmm. in proverbs 31 and how she is um she is revered and honored amongst people and that she, you know, deals in business dealings of her husband, you know, in Proverbs 31, that was, you know, that's like, what is a good woman? That is, you know, and women were not necessarily um, highly revered back then because they were, you know, considered to be lower than, but they also, you know, were allowed to, you know, go to market and do stuff for their husbands and kind of help in that way. I think she was just being smart and making sure that her future with her husband or her future family could be provided for. And what do you think as a child of Caleb and as a, from the generation, that area that she was knowing and taught nothing other than this is the land that the Lord's promised. And this is what all my ancestors went through to get here. Mm -hmm. How much do you think that she took God's promise that that land was their blessing into play? I'm being a great student right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I have ideas, but articulating them into something that really makes sense is is not coming to me right now. So I am fully loving this uh, teaching moment, honestly. Well, yeah, I mean, but it, it's it's hard. It's hard to wrap your head yeah. around that. Right. And so, and that's and, and it's awesome that you're honest about that because it took me some time to really just, like, process. If my dad and I had been grown up and said, you know, this land that basically was my home that I knew, you know, um, it was an inheritance for things that I hadn't been a part of, would I fully grasp or would I take advantage of the land? Um, and it just made me feel though that her dad being the dad that she is and being and understanding in this age, the Abrahamic covenant and everything that basically states that, you know, when you enter into this covenant and believing in the Lord that, you know, what he has for you is yours and, and vice versa. Um, it almost made me wonder if she was trying to not be um, greedy, but saying, the Lord is so good and he promises me 
that he will bless me. And so I want to mm-hmm. take full advantage of this blessing. Maybe. Right. Um, and, and I could be wrong, but you know, she says, give me a blessing. And that's how she approached it um, to her dad. And so that language I think is a lot stronger back then than it is here. You know, mm-hmm. we say, but a blessing to them was like, you know, everybody went with the Lord's blessing, you know, yeah. give me your blessing. And that was a big deal. Like you see that with right. Jacob and, and Esau. Mm-hmm. Um, when they, when he stole the birthright, you know, he went in and he asked God to, to bless him and he thought he was his brother. Um, and that was detrimental <laughs> for yeah a very and very yeah it was yes. still yeah. to this day for fathers to give their children blessings yes. especially like if they got married or yeah. when they got the inheritance i mean especially like as the head of the household that was that was a, a tradition where you blessed your children you know to go on forth with their with their future mm-hmm. but um uh her husband what, how do you pronounce his name Othniel. 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 Mm-hmm. um you know was a valiant warrior and I think it just, she was just making sure that her new husband, she, she was provided for. And she knew because of who raised her and what she had seen from her father that, um, you know, the land is good. God fulfilled his promise. And she is, you know, she gets that inheritance of those, of those promises. I don't see it as greed. Mm-hmm. I see it as I'm now a wife. I have to make sure that our land is fruitful and that we can feed our children. And I think she's doing so in faith with the Lord from what she learned from her dad. Now I didn't catch this and maybe it said, what's the time frame from them getting married to her asking for this? Is it all? Yeah. I right think together? it's all with, yeah. Yeah. I mean, asking for a blessing from your dad. I, I, I didn't specifically remember my dad because he, uh, you know, that's not his faith, but you were there and I had a couple other friends like before I walked down the aisle Please pray with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need a moment. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, before, after, whatever. But if it's in that time frame, I don't know that that's necessarily what it means. But mm-hmm. even nowadays. Well, and it could be, you know, even though it's something like, you know, he gave her a dowry. Now, what's my present, Dad? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> even if it's that, um, she, I think she approached it with the knowledge of God's promises in mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just a good, I mean, ultimately do we recognize the promises that God has for us? You know, mm-hmm. and we've talked about this before where, you know, when we are filled with the Holy spirit, you know, we do have the spirit in us, but then we also have all these benefits mm-hmm. that go along with it, you know, that you can do um, and have, and you know, all of these things that, you know, you can just take advantage if you just ask for them. And I think that this is really almost kind of a parallel example of that is that, you know, her, the land was her in, in essence, and don't take this out of context, but her, her salvation. And then the springs and the valleys were just benefits to mm-hmm. that. Well, and Othniel um, became one of the very first judges. judges yeah. yeah. So yeah. he was a godly man, yeah. um, you know, cause in judges three, seven, you know, it says the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Way to go Israel once again. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm an Israelite right there, <laughs> but they forgot that the Lord, their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs the angler of the Lord, yada, yada. So then Othniel, son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother, 
who saved them. So the spirit of the Lord came on him. So he became Israel's judge and went to war because he was a valiant warrior and he became one of the very first judges. So, I mean, he was obviously a godly man because he found favor in the Lord. And so I think this whole wedding and the, the, the springs and the, the, the land, it was also just God's hand on it as well. Yeah. And yeah, we just need to accept to God's promises yep. and know that they're there. Exactly. Yeah. And not, not ask for them out of greed, but out of just pure understanding that they're ours because the Lord says that they're ours. And mm-hmm. how often do we not ask for things because yep. we feel like we sound yep. greedy because that's what today would say we are. Mm-hmm. There's like times people say that, that, uh, how did you say her name? Oxa. Oxa oh. is greedy because we are looking at it through our filters. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like our, our worldly standards. Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's just it. I mean, moms, who do you pray for last? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yourself. And what do we have and to teach our kids almost first? Yeah. It's okay to pray for yourself. Yep. As, soon, as soon as they get to the age where they're having things that they need to pray for about themselves, it's okay to pray for yourself because you mm-hmm. say, who do you want to pray for at night? And they're going to pray for the mailman. They're going to pray mm-hmm. for the neighbor's dog. They're going to pray for all these things. But they're like, wait, you know you're dealing with this. You know you can pray for you. I can't. No. Yeah. No, you can. It's really okay. But you don't pray for you. Yep. When it says yeah. in John 14, God's, God says, you know, ask ask of me anything and mm-hmm. in my name I will do it. It You know, obviously. Obviously like, within the with, God's will. Of, of God's will. But God is not afraid to give things to his children who are obedient and faithful. You know, like, I think, I, I could be wrong. I remember, I think he asked Saul and Saul asked for wisdom. Like, give me wisdom. And so... Solomon. Solomon, yeah, Saul. Solomon. Uh, Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so, you know, God has no problem giving us his his blessings and his gifts to those who are, are obedient to him. And she could, I mean, she her dad could have absolutely said no. But had she not asked, she would not have had not only the lower springs, but she also got the upper springs. And I think that that's just a good, you know, it's mm-hmm. asking, you know, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be open. You My know, mom always said the answer is always no if you never ask. Yep. Right. And maybe that's his will for it to be no. But mm-hmm. until you go to the to the Lord with your supplication, you know, you're not going to have any answer whatsoever. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so. Good job, ladies. Thanks for teaching. <laughs> we both got to learn about Oxford today yeah. because uh, those big <laughs> eyes that you that you got to see. I love it. And I get to get you guys back next week. Yeah. Yay! I'm excited. So, but yeah, so just, uh, if you, just don't forget that the Lord has promises and blessings for you and you um, have them. You are rightly inherited to those. So just take advantage and don't be scared. Be audacious and... Uh, step out in faith and be obedient. Yep. All right. Well, take care and thanks for joining. And if you have any questions or comments about this episode, you can email us at igstress at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram. In.god.she.trusts. And then you can also find the Facebook group In God She Trusts um, on Facebook. So So we look forward to hearing y'all. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.